Hey, Greyhounds fans. Thank you for listening to the Hounds Huddle podcast on MoravianSports.com, the Greyhound Sports Network, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am LJ Smith, the Assistant Director of Athletic Communications here at Moravian University. And on this episode, part one of two, I had the opportunity to sit down with Director of Men's and Women's Tennis, Mariana Freitas. On this part one episode, we'll talk about her time growing up in Portugal, playing for the Portugal national team representing her country, as well as her days as a student athlete at the Division II levels, and all the way coming up to the beginning of her time here at Moravian University. So let's get this episode underway and meet our guest, Director of Tennis, Mariana Freitas. And thank you for tuning in to the Hounds Huddle podcast, streaming live on moraviansports.com, the Greyhound Sports Network, and wherever you listen to your podcast. I have the pleasure of being joined by the Director of Men's and Women's Tennis, Mariana Freitas, on this episode. Mariana, how are you doing today? Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, things have slowed down a little bit since uh, the season ended, so um, feeling pretty good just doing a uh, quick self-reflection on, on this past year, my first year as a head coach, and, and looking forward to start working towards next year. That's incredible. You stated your first year as the director here. You've been here for quite some time, but you're finally getting to take over the program as your own. But before we get to the coaching side of things, we'll start all the way back uh, <laughs> from you as a child. And your story is, is unique to the university, considering you grew up in Portugal. So mm -hmm. let's let's start with that. When you, was tennis the first sport you learned? How like how did that come about for you? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I I grew up in Portugal. I'm originally from Portugal. Um I lived there until I was 17 years old. Um tennis was really the only sport that I played at at the competitive level. Um I think um just our culture behind sports and our philosophy is very different over there, not only in Portugal, but but throughout, you know, uh, Europe as a whole, that you don't really get to play two or three sports at the competitive level, um, you know, all the way until high school. I mean, even at the college level, we see athletes, there are two, three sport athletes, which is very, very impressive. Uh, but tennis was the only sport that I played, um, that I was serious about, that I played at a competitive level. Uh, now, obviously, I've played soccer all my life because that is the number one sport <laughs> yeah. um, in Europe, right? I mean, every every neighborhood, every corner, every field, you see kids, children playing around, uh, you know, with a soccer ball, kicking the soccer ball around. You know, you go to the beach, you see people playing soccer. That is the universal sport there. Um, you know, even newspaper, I mean, all the attention goes to soccer. You don't really hear about, I mean, that has changed a little, but you don't hear uh, about other sports much. Uh, but yeah, tennis was number one uh, sport that I play at the competitive level. Uh, my sisters and I, we were part of a club. Uh, so we started taking private and group lessons at a very early age. Uh, and then soccer was just the one sport that you played every evening with, you know, with your friends, um, you know, uh, around in the neighborhood, you know, even your street street, you got, we just found creative ways to, to play and make whatever, you know, a, a road or, you know, an empty field, uh, a soccer field. And, uh, so yeah, I would say tennis at a competitive le uh, level and then soccer just every every free time that we had. That was the the other sport, the go-to sports. So you pl you had private training at a club with your with your siblings. 
what was that like? How was the competitive level between you and your siblings? Because I'm sure it could get pretty heated and talent levels. Like, what was what was that like? Um, I mean, I actually, you know, have a pretty good relationship with uh, my two sisters. Um, I'm the youngest of, of the family. Uh, my older sister, she actually started with tennis and then uh, transitioning to basketball. Okay. Uh, so she wasn't, you know, uh, very involved in, in tennis after after a while. Now, my middle sister, um, she's actually the the professional tennis player um, okay. out of the two of us. So, you know, uh, there's no no hard feelings there. She is a, a much better player than I am. Um, she, you know, I, I think she dedicated more time uh, to the sport. Um, I, I think at one point I was more uh, focused on, you know, academics. Uh, and she kind of really wanted to invest in, in tennis. And, and, you know, my parents allow for that to happen. So she traveled uh, throughout Europe uh, a lot more than I did because, again, I wanted to make sure that I was focusing on the academic piece as well. Um, so there's a, a three-year difference between the two of us, so we were never really on the same um, on the same like groups, uh, the same age group. She was always, you know, a year ahead, uh, and and just because she became uh, just that talented, uh, again, we were never in the same in the same groups at uh, for uh, for our group lessons. So you mentioned traveling. Were you a part of any type of like you were part of a club, but did you play travel tennis? Did you compete? in your country? So we over there, we don't have like the travel clubs like like we have here. Uh, so again, it's just very, very different kind of, you know, the, the culture there behind, behind sports and, and the philosophy of it. Uh, I was actually on the national team. Um, I was, I got my first call at 10 years old, which, you know, I still remember because that was the first time that I got a cell phone. Uh, when I was 10 because um, I got my first call um, and we were playing a tournament in Spain, uh, in Madrid, Spain. So we were representing the national team. Uh, I think, I believe um, it was three females and three male players uh, and we traveled with a national coach all the way to Spain. Uh, and obviously that was a great experience. I mean, I don't know if we understood how serious it was to be, you know, to get that first call to represent the, the country. Uh, I think we were just, you know, happy to be surrounded with some of our, you know, closest friends, and we were having, you know, a great time exploring, you know, a new country, um, and and just hearing, you know, this language that we've never heard before, and you know, the food and the culture was very similar, so there wasn't much of a change there. Uh, so again, we were happy to be surrounded by, you know, some of our our closest friends, and and still obviously playing the sport that we love but I don't quite know if we understood how serious it was that we were representing, you know, our, our country. At such a young age, nonetheless. So 10 years old was mm -hmm. when you got your first call. How long did that run span? Um, until I was 16. Uh, you know, I had, um, so from 10 years old until all the way until I was 16, um, I had um, a medical condition then. Uh, you know, I had uh, a, an issue with one of my kidneys, uh, so I was actually out for an entire year uh, after that. Unfortunately, you know, I couldn't play sports. 
but, you know, while I was healthy, you know, I, I was lucky to have traveled around Europe and representing the national team. And even obviously within our country as well, we had a lot of international tournaments uh, in Portugal. So we, we represented, uh, you know, uh, our nation in, in obviously our home country as well. Uh, but, uh, but after that, after six years, unfortunately, you know, I had to uh, play, I had to stop playing sports uh, as a whole. Uh, you know, even, even just the kicking the ball around in the neighborhood, that, that wasn't, um, you know, that couldn't happen uh, until, you know, I had surgery and obviously got, you know, healthier and stronger. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I was, I was out of the national team and just out of competitive sports at, at 16. What, what did that do mentally for you? Because you just go from being a 10-year-old to representing your country for the span of time to then having to just completely halt everything. How did that take a toll on you? Because it, it's hard to go from, like, nonstop to right. just screeching halt. Um, I think, you know, it was very, very difficult because, you know, I, I grew up just always being outdoors, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, I skateboard, I play soccer, you know, I play rugby at one point, again, nothing ever at the competitive level. Uh, tennis was really the only, the only thing that we were serious about, but, you know, we were always outdoors, you know, middle school, high school, you know, we live uh, right next to the beach. So we are always, you know, uh, you know, swimming or playing soccer, playing volleyball, uh, rugby. And, and so all of a sudden you were not even allowed to go for a run. Uh, you know, all you can do is basically go for for a walk, but you know that's that's not, especially when <laughs> you're competitive and you're an athlete, you don't really consider that you know a, a good workout. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was very very difficult. But I, I think what it did for me, it allowed me to uh, just become a better student. Uh, because again, with all the tournaments um, that uh, I went through during, you know, the academic year, I missed a lot of classes. I missed a lot of, uh, you know, assignments. I missed a lot of uh, exam days where I was just traveling around Europe, which is not a bad thing, oh, right? not at all. That sounds but, amazing. <laughs> it sounds amazing. But then you have a lot of catch-up to do as well. And, you know, thankfully, you know, our parents were very helpful and, you know, our professors as well. Uh, but they really just helped me, you know, become a better student and just focus on, on school. And another thing is, at 16, that's really when you decide, at least for us in, in high school, kind of which direction you want to go. If you want to go into, you know, sciences or languages or, you know, uh, social studies or history. Um, and so it allowed me to, to figure that out, which field I wanted to go into. And I think just the education piece, uh, that last year, uh, you know, of high school, that's so, so important because at the time I still, I, I, made that assumption that I was going to, you know, university in Portugal. I, this, this whole thing of, of coming to the U.S. and being a student athlete here, that wasn't in the picture. That wasn't even, you know, we've never had a conversation about that. So I knew that I had to become a better student, a stronger student, if I wanted to get into any, um, you know, any school um, in, in Portugal because I was set that I was going into marine biology. Uh, so I knew I had to have some good grades mm -hmm. and obviously my grades were probably just average since again, I missed so much, so many, uh, school days and, and I think it allowed me to become, you know, a better student, but it's still, you know, it, it's a different lifestyle than, than the one you're, you are used to. So you get to high school, you take that year off. You're talking about looking at going to a university. 
in Portugal. When did that first conversation happen about coming to the States for, for schooling and being a student athlete? Honestly, it was a very last minute thing. I mean, very, very last minute because, um, you know, my, it was probably spring of, of my senior year of high school that um, I was kind of allowed back to do like light, light activity. Uh, and so I started to obviously with tennis again right away, but just not serious, you know, two, three times a week. Um, and then, uh, you know, there was a big tournament uh, in one of the islands, you know, uh, Portugal has like two islands, um, you know, to uh, kind of like uh, the west of, of the country. Uh, and um, my parents, they, you know, uh, they allowed me or they, they, they asked me, do you have any interest in, in playing those tournaments? Because they're international tournaments, tournaments that I, I played many, many times before. Uh, and I said, you know, I don't even know if I'm in, in good shape, right? I mean, you know, obviously I, I've been out for so long and um, I was taking things slow. And, uh, but, but, you know, I wanted to take on that challenge and see where I was. Uh, and so I, I did train a little harder uh, just, you know, the weeks uh, before the tournament. I played the tournament and that's really when, um, you know, I had someone come, come up to me and say, hey, you know, I think you could get a full ride to play, you know, um, in the U.S. Uh, and this was actually, you know, a, a Portuguese coach that worked with some universities here. Uh, she actually worked for an organization in Spain that recruited athletes all throughout Europe to, uh, again, not only for tennis, uh, but for many other sports to become student athletes, um, you know, in, in the U.S. And, and, and have this experience where you are allowed to, you know, succeed on the court in, you know, in the classroom. Uh, and, uh, and then when she told me that, I mean, that was kind of the first time that it became, you know, uh, a possibility uh, of, of me, you know, coming, coming to the U.S. And, um, and yeah. So it took one person right. to just put that seed in your head of like, this could be a possibility. So this coach talked to you. Mm -hmm. What was it like having that conversation with your your family about like this could be a possibility what how, how do we approach that because that that's that could seem like a daunting task of like right. hey, this this is an opportunity how do we approach it I, I I think for my parents um you know it wasn't I think we were shocked because I was definitely not at the level uh, that I was like previous years, you know what I mean? I, I definitely didn't feel like I was as talented um, or worthy of, of getting, you know, a, a scholarship to play in a different country. However, you know, we already had one person here, my sister, that had already gone through that experience of being mm. a student athlete. She was also recruited. And again, she was older than me. So she was actually here in the U.S. when that happened. Uh, so it wasn't completely like new. Uh, my parents had already gone through that experience. You know, they brought her over, um, you know, to the U.S. And, you know, she already had completed that once. Or, or she was, she actually started in the spring. So she was about two or three months in um, here in her first experience, her first semester in the U.S. Um, so we knew a little bit about the experience that she was having. I think for me, there was still some concern about my health and whether or not I was going to be able to commit to play at a high level for four years. Um, and, and just, you know, this was April, 
March, April. And it was just, it seemed like very late, as you know, yeah. because most people, you know, <laughs> by, I don't know, November, December, December they yeah. have already, you know, all the applications are, are in. And for the most part, they have already committed to, um, you know, or verbally committed to, to a school. Mm-hmm. And so that was just very late in the process. And even, you know, it's not an easy process then to select a school here uh, because you have to you have to obviously create a video of yourself playing and the different skills that, that you have, you know, a little introduction speech about what do you want to study, you know, why do you want to uh, why do you want to have this opportunity of coming to the U.S. and being a student athlete? Uh, so it just felt like it was very, very rushed. But at the, si- at the same time, you know, I was very open-minded and I was ready for a new challenge. So, you know, when I sat down and talked to my parents, actually the way that we, we agree on was that I'm going to do a gap year. So I'm going to go. I'm going to do, you know, be a student athlete uh, in a school anywhere in the U.S. for one year. And then I'm going to come back home and uh, and then start university uh, in Portugal. Um, And so that seemed like a fair a fair agreement between my parents and I, because I always had that idea of doing a gap year in Africa, actually, because both of my parents are from Africa. Um, you know, so I always wanted to do, you know, finish high school, do one year there, uh, and then come back and then actually start, um, you know, uh, start university. Uh, and so this was a little bit of a change. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't the same, the same gap year that I had, that I had envisioned, but it still seemed like a great opportunity in, in just being told that, you know, we could potentially get a full ride, especially after being out for an entire year. Um, you know, it didn't seem real, but it also, it was just too good of an opportunity to say no to. So you get this opportunity and I'll reference this here. You attend a division two school, Mm -hmm. university of West Alabama and had, I'd say some success there. Mm -hmm. That's speaking very like a blanket statement. Uh, what was the experience like coming to the States and playing at a division two institution? Um, that was probably, I would say, the best experience and the best decision that, that I've made for, for myself. Um, it wasn't easy, obviously. That first year, it was very, very difficult because, again, still dealing with some health issues. I was only 17 when, <laughs> when I actually first came wow. to the States. Uh, but, you know, that was my first time in this country. So, you know, you had or, you know, my parents and I, we had to make that decision to commit to a school that we didn't know anything about, right? I mean, we went on the website and that was basically it. And and it was really just the kind of the relationship that I created with a coach over the phone. Uh, and that's how, how I landed at the University of West Alabama. But it was a great experience. Again, first year, just a big, big adjustment, um, you know, uh, new culture, new country, new language, uh, just everything, every single like habit, lifestyle habit, everything was different than what I was used to. Um, but I think the good thing is being young, you're, you know, you're open-minded and you're ready for a new challenge and you're Mm -hmm. ready for an adventure. And I think that makes things easier. And then we also had so many international students at the school. We had, uh, you know, a tennis team full of international students. And again, we're all in the same boat. So it makes that transition a little easier because it's not just you by yourself. You have other people that are exactly uh, on the same boat. They're young, they're new to the country. Um, you know, we're learning a new language, um, just learning, you know, 
everything about the the culture in um and yeah so i mean first year i would say big big adjustment then from then on it was a great great experience what can you do with business phone from pentella data make a conference call from the coffee shop or connect from the back nine with unlimited phone services, 24-hour support, and mobile synergy, our cloud-based technology makes it easy to do business from anywhere. And we do mean anywhere. No more being stuck in the office. Which is great for everyone, I think. Add cloud-based business phone service from Penn Teledata. Historic Hotel Bethlehem is perfect for any stay. The finely appointed rooms and suites are complemented by excellent dining choices featuring Chef Michael Adams, the tap room for drinks and casual fare, or an upscale dining experience with a view at 1741 on the terrace. For business meetings, visit our Executive Conference Center, stop by our women's boutique for a selection of fashion and jewelry, or grab a cone at our Hotel B ice cream parlor. Historic Hotel Bethlehem is where our history will make the memory of your stay last a lifetime. Are you looking to get your hands on Moravian University Greyhounds gear? Head over to moraviansports.com and click the link Sideline Store under the tab Fan Zone to find our Moravian Apparel Store. Each month, there is a promotion that offers a discount to all things Greyhounds from hats, hoodies, shirts, and more. Head to the Moravian Athletic Sideline Store today, powered by BSN Sports. Was the game different coming from Portugal and playing internationally to the States? Was there anything you had to get used to on the courts, style of play, any aspects like that that could have been different to you as well? Obviously, culture shock, mm -hmm. all these different like entities in front of you that you're not accustomed to. But then again, you're still playing a sport, which is very international. Did you notice any nuances or changes within the game itself? I would say, you know, I grew up playing in clay courts mm -hmm. my entire life, right? We had very few tournaments in hard courts, which is completely different than what we see here, right? Mm -hmm. as, as you know, I mean, everywhere you go, uh, people uh, play in hard courts here, you mm -hmm. know, mostly, I guess, down south in Florida, uh, just because of older population play on the hard through, through courts. But for the most part, you know, every, obviously, university, we played in hard court. And that there is an adjustment because, you know, the points go a little faster, and mm -hmm. it's also tougher on your body, right? Uh, the clay courts, you know, you tend to focus more on, you know, top spin, you know the points are going to go a little longer than, than the hard courts uh, just because of, you know, the ball traveling faster in, in hard courts. Uh, so that was, you know, a little bit of an adjustment, uh, but not, you know, nothing that, that we couldn't handle because I know other international students were on the same boat where, you know, they have played mostly on, hard, on clay courts and grass courts and not so much on, on hard courts. But I would say just the training was very different. Uh, just, I think, everything behind, like, the sports culture in this country, uh, that it's very different, just more more serious. Uh, you know, all the, just the, the, the workouts that we have, you know, waking up five in the morning, you know, every day. Uh, I mean, I love it. You know, I love how competitive it was. I love how hard the training was. Um, and I think another difference, major difference, I would say, is that, as you know, tennis is very individual. Yes. Very, very individual. So you, you, you grew up uh, playing on your own. It mm -hmm. was always just you on the court, no one else, right? Yeah. So you're almost competing, obviously, you know, against your mind and then obviously against your opponent as well. Uh, but, you know, I played very little 
very few doubles tournaments while I was in Portugal. Uh, and even representing the national team, it was mostly singles tournaments. Uh, so that was the biggest difference because it was not about you as an individual. Um, you know, we are part of a team now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very hard for, um, you know, a, a young person to adapt because, um, you know, it's not all about you. I mean, this is, this is about having a team, a team first mentality now, mm -hmm. because if, you know, if I lose my match, we still have the ability to win, win. as a team. Correct. If I win my match, we still yeah. have, we could still lose, yeah, lose there's, as there's, a team. There's that obstacle there that you're, you're, it's a completely different mindset. Very, very different mindset because it's not, you know, me, me myself and I out there competing. Uh, you know, it's, it's a team and we're part of a team and everyone matters. And, and again, every point counts the same whether you're playing a number one, so whether you're playing top of the lineup or bottom of the lineup, mm -hmm. every point counts and every point counts the same, right? I mean, we're not saying, oh, top of the lineup, your point counts as, as yep. three, bottom, your point only counts as one. No, I mean, every point, every point matters. Uh, so that team atmosphere was um, very, very different. But again, I mean, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great thing, especially when you're new to the country because all of a sudden now you, you gain all of, those, all of those friendships, but it is quite, uh, you know, the shift in, in mindset that it's not, it's not all about you. It's, you know, about, it, it's bigger than you. Um, you know, it's a whole team atmosphere in just the fact that you're also representing the university, which I feel like I already kind of knew that because mm -hmm. representing, you know, the national team, Correct. you're also obviously, uh, that's a big task and you're asked to, you know, behave and, you know, and conduct yourself in a certain way. So I didn't have a problem uh, in that area, but it was more the fact that, you know, it was six, seven of us and not just me out there competing on my own. So going off of that, you have all that pressure of me, myself, and I, you're competing for yourself, but is there a pressure that you put on yourself knowing that you're representing a team now. So let's say you're, you're playing your individual point and you, it's coming down to you at like <laughs> third, third singles trying to win a match point. It's for you, but you also have the pressure of the team as well. Did that translate because you've already been representing your country? Or did you feel it a little different because of the individual versus team aspect? I think I felt the pressure a lot more. Uh, really? here, here, um, you know, uh, playing as, as for a team here in the U S because even when I was on a national team, it was still me, myself and I, it okay. still came down, you know, to my match and my performance. Uh, and it, it wasn't, um, I don't know. It, it wasn't like those points counted. Like, obviously it was great that you were selected to represent the national team. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it was still very, very individual. It okay. was just that you know, wow, I'm, I'm here with the national team. I mean, this is a huge accomplishment. But this here, being part of a team here, it was very different, and I think there was a lot more pressure. And that's probably why um, in singles I struggle a, a little bit more because I was just so hard on myself because I didn't want to disappoint my, my teammates. Because I knew, I mean, I, I, I was probably okay with if it was just me, myself, and I, yeah. um, and, and, you know, disappointing myself. I mean, it happens, and you learn from it, but I think it was just there was added pressure um, because I didn't want to disappoint, you know, my team and my coaches because, you know, I always had a great relationship with my coaches during my time here in the U.S., and um, so, yeah, definitely added pressure. Uh, and just, 
you know, it's so tough when you're out there on your own, you know, on the court. I think doubles is a lot easier because you have, you know, you have that partner, you have your teammate mm -hmm. picking you up. But in singles, um, it, it's almost like it's me, myself, and I because you're on your own on yeah. the court, except you're playing for, you know, for an entire team, an entire program in a university as well. So definitely more, more pressure <laughs> there. So you, you're at University of West Alabama for two years, mm -hmm. and then you have the opportunity, you transfer to a Division One program in Tarleton State University in Texas. What was the transition like? How did you kind of take what you've learned from University of West Alabama and translate that to Tarleton State? Um, I think it was definitely an easier transition compared to my first year in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. Because I was definitely used to you know, the people, the language, and the culture. So that, I, I think I had already, I was already past that. Okay. So it was definitely an easier transition. And I think I grew so much as a person and as a player during my two years in Alabama uh, that when I got to Tarleton in Texas, I was very confident, uh, you know, in, in my ability uh, on the court to perform on the court and also in the classroom as well. Uh, but I know I had a big challenge ahead of me because, um, you know, we had a great team in Alabama, but Tarleton was a much stronger team. And, you know, the expectations were a lot higher. And so there was definitely more pressure. Uh, you know, we were, when I first started at Tarleton, we were, I believe, 34 or 36 in the nation. And then after two years, we were in the top 15. Uh, you know, we were 14. When I graduated, I believe we were... Uh, 14 uh, in the nation uh, and obviously we're top five in the region but you know so as you can imagine I mean the training was very different a lot harder it was more competitive and, and definitely more serious but again I, I really enjoy just you know uh, just working hard and doing everything it, it takes to reach your full potential as an individual and as a team uh, but I don't know if I would have been as strong of a player as I was in Texas if I hadn't had those two years uh, in Alabama first. So you're at Tarleton. You're a top program in the country at a Division One institution. Personal accolades. Not that you're here to brag about yourself, but it's always nice to kind of reflect <laughs> back on your right. successes. What, were, what was it like to have success at a Division One program? Did that click that it was a Division One program after representing a country? Because you're getting acknowledgement and accolades so right. it's obviously something to celebrate so so yeah i mean we obviously had great success and we were definitely you know uh grateful for you know the team that we had and the coaches that we had so just kind of going back so tarleton you know at the time when i played we were actually a division two school wow okay so we were a division two school you know alabama also division two school and, uh, you know, we were just obviously much stronger because we are ranked in the region and in the nation. Uh, they made that transition, um, I want to say, four years ago. Okay. Um, that they became, uh, you know, a Division One school. Uh, you know, they, they definitely had the facilities for that. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I, it's awesome for them, for the school. I mean, I love the school. I love the tennis program there. So it, it's great to see them transitioning to a, a Division One institution. Um, and I would love to, to go back one day and watch them compete. Uh, but, you know, still, you know, the level was, was very, very high. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, I was, again, I don't want to, 
you know, I, I, I think that the biggest thing, the biggest change for me coming to the U.S. is that I'm more about the team now than I am about, you know, the just the individual. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, just a little bit about obviously what we accomplished. Uh, the rankings, I mean, I think they speak for themselves because obviously going, you know, down like 10, 15 spots, becoming top 15 in the nation. I mean, I think that's huge. Uh, but, you know, my partner and I, uh, she was also from Spain. We were ranked in the region and in the nation in doubles. Um, I think I, I grew to love doubles. Uh, maybe because of having that help on, on the court, and <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not just you out there on on your own. And then um, I was also ranked in singles, but but definitely my my best rankings were uh, in doubles. So you're about to finish your playing career. What was the next step? What did you want to do? Because I know you you spoke about going back home, mm -hmm. but you didn't take that gap year. You stayed and you mm -hmm. and you competed at such a high level. You finish your career as a student athlete. What was the next step for you? Um, yeah, so that was that was interesting, <laughs> right? Because obviously that gap year never never really happened. It ended up being a little longer than than just the the one year. But again, it's just I had such a great and positive experience that that's why I wanted to to finish it and I wanted to you know complete a degree. Um, there were still talks about you know going back to Portugal after I finish my uh, my bachelor's. Uh, and I knew, I knew in my head, my, my goal was to pursue a master's degree, whether in Portugal or, or here in the U S. Um, and, and again, I think I was just, it, I, at the right place, uh, in Tarleton because what happened was, uh, the GA was going to graduate and finish her, you know, master's degree and obviously move on with her life. So my coach actually, uh, fall of senior year. He asked me if I wanted to become his GA, which, I mean, that was still early. It was yeah. still very early in the year. Uh, and, you know, I all I knew was that I want to pursue a master's degree. That's what I want to do. And, again, it was kind of like going back four years that a great opportunity, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, if someone comes to you with, with just an unbelievable, uh, you know, opportunity and it's hard to say no no to it. And, you know, I love the, the institution. I love the area uh, where I was in Texas and uh, it just felt right. And so it was almost, I mean, I, I gave it a couple weeks to think about it, mm -hmm. but then, you know, um, at the time I was, you know, doing, um, I was getting a bachelor's in biology and they did have, you know, a, a master's in biology as well. Uh, so it just felt right. And, you know, and, and I never even thought about at the time to do anything in coaching because obviously, you know, I was, you know, earning a degree, degrees in sciences and, you know, biologies and marine biology. So, um, you know, I've never even um, thought about like coaching at all. Uh, wow. But it was mostly, okay, you know, I get to pursue, uh, you know, another degree mm -hmm. while still, you know, spending time on the court, learning, you know, all about coaching. And I still get to do it with some of my best friends. Correct. Right. Because, I mean, obviously some of them continue uh, on the team and uh, some of the people that I actually lived with. And, uh, and now I was going to be their, their GA. So you're the GA there for two years. You get a degree. Was that the, the plan? What, like, how did that what, – what transpired after you accepted the GA position? Um, yeah, so I was there for about two and a half, three years. Okay. So it took me, it took me a little longer <laughs> to, to get a, to get the master's degree. It definitely wasn't, it wasn't an easy degree, but, um, it was a great experience. It was, 
at the beginning, that first year as a GA, it was also not the easiest transition because, again, I was living, you know, I was in the same apartment together with some of my teammates. And yeah. obviously, that just wasn't a possibility anymore. If I became the GA, you know, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be, <laughs> it would just be very weird. Uh, so, you know, I had to move out and, you know, find an apartment on my own. And it was... Uh, Difficult in the beginning because now, you know, you, you have to think things a little bit more seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're on the coaching side of things. But because I never even anticipate being there, you know, becoming a coach, I really didn't know how to deal with it. So I had a lot of conversations with, you know, my head coach about that. Uh, kind of like how do you set boundaries, you know, with your past teammates yeah, now that you're, you know, their, you know, graduate assistant. Uh, but, you know, it was definitely, you know, a very, very good experience just kind of getting started in the coaching field and then obviously earning, um, you know, a master's degree in, in biology as well. So after Tarleton, what was next? Did the conversation about going back home, what, did you fall in love with coaching? Like what, <laughs> what happened as a result after your, your GA? Um, I definitely fell in love with coaching more than, more than expected, uh, more than I was expecting. I think the conversations about going back home, there was, that was always a possibility. That was always in the back of my mind. Right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I would always have that conversation, you know, with my parents. I think when I finished, when I finished at Tarleton, you know, when I finished my master's degree, uh, there was only one thing that I knew at the time that I didn't want to go into the science field. I didn't want to go into biology or do anything with that with that degree, which is unfortunate because obviously I spent a good amount of time yeah. uh, undergrad and at the gradual level. I think some of us figure things out, you know, later than others, and 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 that's what happened. Uh, that's what happened to me. But at least I knew that for sure. I don't want to go into you know the science field. Uh, however, now I had this new passion about coaching, mm -hmm. and what I realized was that I didn't want to be, you know, uh, away from from a tennis court. I, you know, I wanted to be a, a on the court as much as possible. So it was interesting because I had a couple options. You know, uh, my mom actually owns a tennis club in Portugal. Wow. Um, okay. So I had, you know, there was definitely that conversation of, hey, you come back home, you could, you know, become. Uh, you know, get certified and become, you know, a pro here, mm -hmm. here at the club, which that would be awesome, right? After spending, you know, six, seven years here in this country, going back home and, and, you know, work for my mom and at her club and be surrounded by family again. So that was definitely a strong possibility. Um, but, you know, when you graduate from an institution here in the U.S., you're given one year uh, to kind of like work here okay. uh, and gain experience, right? Um, and because, I mean, going back to what we talked in the beginning about the, the culture around sports being so different here and how we invest, you know, so much, I would say time and money, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, to, to grow, uh, you know, sports and, 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 and to make sure that we have some of the best athletes in this country. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I just don't see how that could happen in Portugal. Because, like I said, it, we're so much into, like, one sport. Correct. We, yeah. we invest so much in soccer. And it's so unfortunate that when we have, you know, so many talented athletes in other areas, whether it's tennis or, you know, whatever other sports, you know, volleyball, and you, we don't even hear about it. Yeah. You know, we, we are, you don't hear on TV, you don't hear on newspaper, because if it's not soccer, you just – and that has changed. I, I, you know, that has changed a little uh, the past two or three years, 
but I just didn't see how I could uh, go back and, and make a career, you know, out of sports over there. Mm. Um, but that aspect of being surrounded by family and obviously working at, you know, uh, within a family business, um, it, that was there for me. And, you know, I knew that was a strong possibility, but having, you know, given that one year that you could work here and gain experience in this country, I definitely wanted to take advantage of that one year. It just felt like, you know, going back to that one gap year, it was always, oh, we'll do yeah. one more year, <laughs> one, one more, more year, year. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we'll see how that, that one year goes, and then we'll make another decision. Yeah. So what led you to Bethlehem? Because it's a trip from going down south up to the northeast. So what led to that conversation and, and ultimately landing in Bethlehem? Um, so, you know, I knew that science was out of the picture. So I knew that the, the, next, uh, the next step was to find a job um, as, um, as in, 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 the, in the tennis field, you know, in, in athletics, in, in the tennis world. Uh, and, you know, obviously being a GA, it made sense to uh, look for a job, you know, as an assistant coach. Uh, and then my other goal was to explore this area, the northeast part of the U.S., right? Because I was in Alabama and then I was in Texas. Uh, and I spent, you know, a, a good amount of time in, in Texas, you know, doing undergrad and, and then at the, at the grad level. Uh, so I knew I wanted to explore this option. So I started, you know, obviously, you know, applying for uh, jobs here. And, you know, at the time, this was, um, what, 2014, um, I was talking with about four coaches, okay. you know, two uh, in New York, one in Maine, and then obviously one in Pennsylvania. And again, I knew very little about, you know, some of the areas here and, and some of the schools here. Uh, you know, I know one of the schools was uh, Colby College in Maine, mm -hmm. uh, a couple schools in New York, and then obviously Moravian. Uh, and I, I didn't know anything. It was almost like going back to 2007 when I'm like being introduced to all of these universities, yet I knew nothing about about uh, about them and, and the areas where they were located. Uh, so it came down once again to the relationship uh, that I developed with, uh, you know, with the head coach uh, and, um, you know, which at the time, you know, former director of tennis, Art Smith, um, he was the one that hired me. And, you know, I, I definitely built uh, a strong relationship with him uh, just in those, you know, two weeks that we were kind of going back and forth, exchanging emails and talking on the phone. And then, you know, when he offered me, uh, he offered me the job and the other jobs were very similar. Everything was, you know, assistant coach base, similar duties, similar responsibilities, um, all with the possibility of also taking uh, grad classes, which I was actually, even though I had just graduated with a master's degree, I was very interested in doing that because I knew that I went out of, you know, the science field. So I was very interested in doing something at, you know, business management or even sports management. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he, I made a strong connection with him and then, you know, he offered me the job and uh, I took it after a couple of days and then, and then it was time to, to pack my things and, and, uh, you know, um, that long road trip. I, I can imagine. Long road trip from, from Texas all the way to Pennsylvania. So this seems like a good spot to take a quick break and hear okay. a word from our sponsors. But it's so it's just amazing to hear the story of how you were such a great athlete in Portugal to having to take a literally a gap year is what <laughs> I'm going to call it due to injury. And then getting back on the court, getting recognized and then this 
whole story unravel. So thank you for sharing that with us. We'll take a quick break and come back and talk about your Moravian journey. I had such a great time talking with Mariana Freitas, the director of men's and women's tennis. Wasn't that so amazing to hear the story of her growing up in Portugal, representing the national team and making her way to the United States, playing at the division two level for college tennis. My goodness, I'm so happy I had the opportunity to learn and have her tell that story to everyone. Just, just incredible. So much that we need to break it up into two segments. Next segment, part two, coming next Thursday on the Greyhound Sports Network, MoravianSports.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. But make sure you follow the tennis programs on social media at Moravian Tennis on Instagram and Twitter, and at Moravian University Tennis on Facebook. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and follow the Moravian University Athletics accounts as well. That's all I have for you on this episode of the Hounds Huddle Podcast. Until next time, I'm L.J. Smith, signing off.